Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Arizona Cardinals fans and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site. Uh, the covers Arizona Cardinals. My co-host here on episode 376, I believe it is, is Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals site, and also the one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. Sadly, the Cardinals did not pick up an upset win over the Philadelphia Eagles. But really, even though it ended badly and it was a little bit ugly early offensively, isn't this exactly what we wanted to see from the Cardinals in Week 5, essentially, after what we said on the show last week? Yeah, I mean, they had a chance, and I got just absolutely roasted by uh, Eagles fans on Bleeding Green Nation because I predicted a, a three-point game, a three-point loss, by the way, for the Arizona <laughs> Cardinals, and, and I just got completely roasted by by their fans and you know it it's disappointing um that it ended that way but i think the fact that they were there is you know nice and and it adds to what we've wanted to see totally It, it was disappointing 2017 20 to 17 loss to the eagles um, of course, the beginning of the game starts badly. Again, offensively, they go scoreless in the first quarter. Kyler Murray throws an interception. They go into halftime trailing. But then in the second half, things turn around. And defensively, let's be honest, they did pretty well. Uh, they were the first team this season to hold them. Well, they hadn't scored fewer than 24 points in a game this year and were averaging over 28, nearly 29 points a game entering the game. They had not been held to under 400 yards this season. The Cardinals held them to under 400 yards this season. A.J. Brown did not have an impactful game. Um, and, you know, Jalen Hurts, if you look at his passing numbers, they were okay. They weren't great. Um, but, I mean, they got themselves, they, they struggled on third down. 
But it, we're, we're going to kind of talk about in, in this edition of the show, and we're, we're going to do kind of what radio does. We're going to play the blame game. Whether we're going to be good at it or not, we'll have to see. But we're going to talk about the blame. Where does the blame go in this game? Because everyone has all sorts of opinions on that. We're going to talk about the plot, the positives, and the negatives from this game. What was good, what was bad. Um, how close are they? That's, that's what I want to take. Like, how close are, they, is, are the Cardinals to being good? And then with DeAndre Hopkins' return coming in Week 7, if the Cardinals can get to 3-3, three and three, there is there's a run of schedules. How how many wins can can they legitimately get with Hopkins back? If that if that and kind of what everyone feels is kind of a missing piece that will kind of be a game changer. And then of course we will preview their game against the Seattle Seahawks that they have on the road this week. A Seahawks team that is both surprising and odd. Um, they are also two and three in the division. But let's get started with talking about the blame. We've heard. We've heard all sorts of things from fans on social media, in the stadium. Um, you could The easy thing is to blame Matt Amendola for missing the kick. They also blame Steve Keim for not bringing in a better kicker. They blame Cliff Kingsbury and his, pass, and his, and his play calling. They blame Vance Joseph because they gave up a 17-play drive at the end of the game where Philadelphia took the lead, had that field goal. They blame Kyler Murray because clearly he sucks this year. If you were to assign blame in the loss, where would it, like, if, or like, what's your blame share going to be? Um, I mean, I, I think everybody has a share of it, but it starts to me, and I know a lot of people are going to, disagree with me it starts to me with with management and in the gm and and i said this on sunday after the game and i feel like you know people like you said they want to blame matt amandola i mean okay you can blame matt amandola but the reality is in his career matt amandola was two for eight from 40 yards or longer in field goals and you chose to sign him. So you knew that coming into this, that you had signed a guy that this year alone or in his career is 25% um, from outside of 40 yards. So one for four of making it. And so then, then you go, okay, so whose fault is it next? Okay, so then do you blame Cliff that you know the guy's only a 20? I mean, it, 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 if you, you know, do baseball or, or basketball or whatever, you know, and, and you're making a substitution at the end of the game, you don't put in a 25% free throw shooter, right? Like, you, you don't. And so that's the thing. So, so then do you blame Cliff for putting him in, um, in that situation, knowing that he's unlikely to make it? Do you blame Kyler because Kyler slid short of the first down and, and didn't give his team, um, or, or 
have another play for his team to run that got them even closer for a kicker that struggles from outside of that distance. Like you can blame everybody. I mean, do you blame Vance for his defense being unable to get off the field? 17 play eight minute drive after you tie the game up 17 plays, eight minutes. I mean, there there's blame all the way around. And, and for me, I don't – the last guy I blame is Matt Amendola, and it's easy to say, just make the kick, right? Like, you and I can say, just make the kick. <laughs> like, everybody can say, just make the kick. But the reality is, kicking's really hard. There's a reason that there's about, what, 20 good ones, and then 12 filter in and out of the league every year. And Amendola is one of those guys that's filtered in and out of the league the last two years. And – you asked a guy to do something that he just flat out doesn't do well. He doesn't right. make kicks at 40 plus yards. So again, do you, are you surprised that he missed the kick? I mean, that's my question. Would you like when you, when you just boil it all down at 43 yards, we're really like, Oh, he's got this. You're probably thinking <laughs> not, not going to happen. Probably like, should have gotten a little closer. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was and I wrote about that after the game because you know, for for those who are talking about the coaching, that we're talking about the kicker and, and especially after Justin Pugh kind of went off um and, and that was purposeful for a couple of things. I know one it was for fans and two it was for reporters and uh, just if you didn't hear Justin Pugh sort of went off on the idea that it was like it was Amendola's fault. Now, I will say this, no one in, in the locker room there among the reporters that were waiting, and we were, like there were reporters hovering and waiting for Amendola at his locker who had been sitting there several minutes. They were waiting for, for to be able to ask him questions. Pew didn't like that. Um, he, he viewed it as a kind of attack on him. And, and I know part of it was just being upset because of the loss. People, the, the guys in the locker room were upset. They, they felt that was a game they should have won. In fact, the last two games that they've lost at home, that's been the feeling in the locker room. But it's the idea. It was one play. He said, I miss blocks. It was We, we needed to score touchdowns other times. And it's true. It is true. Um, but, and I completely forgot where I was going to go with this. Um, but, I mean, it was really unfortunate. Oh, and what I, what I wrote is that over the last four and a half minutes, starting with a third and 12 that the Cardinals had and failed to get Philly off the field, that's where there were about six things that went wrong, starting with that. So like if we're talking about total blame, you can blame a couple of things. We can blame the fact that the Cardinals offense, for some reason, cannot execute early, and the Cardinals defense cannot stop the opposing team's scripted offense. They make great adjustments after that, but they strict they struggle against they struggle against what they're prepared for. And isn't, they, it, they, isn't it ironic that <laughs> both sides struggled the scripted and the uh, and, and you know it's it's so odd. It is so odd, which makes you wonder. And, and you know, we talk about this like in our youth football stuff, and why it's so important. And, and I know people are going to be like, well, we've been saying this, but like, it's why it's so important for them to 
get those reps against other teams because sometimes you're really successful and you're like, okay, but is it against a good defense or is it against a bad? So like, that's, that's the way I look at it. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's, do they have, and and obviously we don't know because practice is closed, but do they have success on their scripted plays in practice or on on the flip side do they struggle against a defense and so so it's like oh our defense is good against scripted plays and it's like well you're you're stopping an offense that probably would struggle to score on air against script in scripted plays right (laughs) and so like that's that's you know it's a chicken egg thing i get it but at the same time it's ironic that both sides struggle with that and then they get into a flow. Now it would just be nice if the offense could get into a flow as fast as the defense has the last yes. couple of weeks. Well, and, and again, what we've said for all year is the offense was supposed to be the strength of the team, and there's a number of reasons why they've they've had some hiccups, but just the, con- the consistent lack of ability to do more than just get a first down early on is just, is just maddening. And then the defense always gives up an early score every single time, so they're kind of behind the eight ball. Um, luckily, the defense kind of clamped up after that. But, you know, there's, here are the six things that kind of went down. Now, now first, that 17-play drive, they only had three third downs. It went, you know, they gained eight, then they gained three. So they got a first down, a second down. They got a first down, a second down. Um. They had a third and one, picked up the first down. Then they had the third and 12. And that's where that's where the problem happens is that at four and a half minutes, they have a third and 12. They're at the, they're at the Arizona 36. And so they had the chance to get off the field on a long field goal by a replacement kicker. Remind, mind, <laughs> we need to remind everyone. It wasn't just the Cardinals had a replacement kicker. The Eagles... The Eagles, Jake Kelly was hurt, and so they had Cameron Dicker, who has has some clutch to him because he he, he in college, he he was the the kicker that beat Kyler Murray, um, in that Texas Oklahoma game where Texas had a big lead, Kyler Murray r- rallied him back, and then he got the game winner. But if if they had gotten off the field on that third and twelve, you're looking at a forty plus field goal, and that's where the problem was, and that's the first mistake or bad thing that happened, and that was they get the pass to Dallas Goddard, and Dennis Gardick isn't isn't able to make the initial tackle. He's able to get 16 yards. Um, I would guess in that situation, if it were fourth and two, fourth and one, I think because the game was tied, maybe the Eagles decide to kick it. But they could have gotten off the field then, and then they didn't. Then they get down to... They get down to the to you know goal to go, and then Jalen Thompson makes the great play on third and on third and five, and breaks up the pass, but doesn't make the they don't get the interception. They get the interception, then they start right there, and it's it's great. The problem is. He doesn't get the interception, which, I mean, it, that's a hard play to make. But two, he gets hurt. The Cardinals only won timeout left, so they had to burn it. There, There was nothing anyone could have done. Um, 
by rule, they lose the timeout. Then they get the ball back. Um, Calvin Beecham gets called for this. So they get a, they get a, a seven-yard pass play. Uh, well, first, first Kyler busts, you know, scrambles 15 yards. Zach Ertz for seven. So it's second and three at, at nearly midfield. And it, false start. I mean, Kelvin, you can't do that. It's a, it's, it's one of those things that's, that they get into, into a situation of negative plays. Kelvin Beecher has a false start. The very next play, Zach Ertz is wide open. Kyler misses him. He's, a, he's uh, crossing across the field. Uh, Kyler just misses him. It would have been a, it would have been a massive play. Um, but that doesn't matter. They still, they still get Ertz. You know, Ertz picks up the th- the first down and third down, and then you get to, you know, the the famous part is Kyler runs for what we think is a first down, goes for the slide, and it turns out he started his slide before the sticks. It's really subjective. So wherever you basically begin to start to maybe think about sliding, the, the refs, will, the associate, the officials will put it back. And that was the next thing that happened. So uh, technically, Kyler slid too early. The problem was everyone thought it was a first down. Cliff thought it was a first down. And so they didn't wait for the ball to be spotted and to see that it wasn't. And so they were already in his ears. Clock, 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 clock. So they could spike and stop the ball. That they they didn't realize it was third down, and that's what the problem was. And as Cliff said after the game, you know the only other option you have is you you've already committed a clock. So the only thing you could do is a run play, if you want to get out of that, and then you hope you pick up the first down. But if you don't, then you are you know because it was what twenty two seconds. 23 seconds is then yeah. you then then you are you you fail to get it and then you have to hurry he called that's the hurricane hurricane field goal where you have to rush everyone you've got 15 seconds to get everyone onto the field set snap the ball kick the field goal from the same spot cliff said and the kind of the goal was kind of inside 45 that was kind of the thing it was so 43 ish and 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 closer was kind of the plan they weren't planning with what they had the time management they were planning on a field goal um, in that situation, because you know there's a lot that could happen, especially in that area. So they were they were content with with kicking the field goal. It's just he missed it. So there there were a number of things that went wrong. Now, if I have to, if I'm going to place blame, blame, I'm going to put some blame on Amendola. I'm going to put some pl- blame on both sides of the ball for their slow start. And then, I mean, as as hard as it is to do, you have to put just a touch. You wish there was a way for. You know, in that situation, Kyler, instead of going for the slide, it didn't look like he was in any danger of getting hit, too. Instead of going for the slide, you go with the die four, just just a touch more awareness. Um, and then it was just dumb luck after that with a lot of the things that happened. So, But overall, there's a lot of things you can blame, but they faced a good football team. Philly's a good football The Philly has... Philly, through through the first five weeks of the season, through the first four weeks of the season, was playing like the most complete team in the league on both sides of the ball. Well, and that's what's interesting to me is that, and, and you know, I don't want anybody to think that you and I are okay with the loss because we're not. Like, in fact, it's, they should have won. Right. It's disheartening. Um, but the reality is nobody thought they would be there. And 
instead of being like, and I know there's no moral victories, but the reality is nobody expected them to be there. And, and the fact that they had a chance late and it just, they screwed it up. It happens. And, and it's unfortunate, but it's also one of those situations where it's like, you, you look at this team and where, where they are at and the fact that against maybe the best team in the NFL right now, they're three or four mistakes away from winning. And, and by the way, the Eagles were almost mistake free. Yeah, that that's the other part is that it was defensively they were just the eagle the the Cardinals defensively were playing solid and didn't make didn't force any mistakes and so Philly was playing very very well they were playing very well yeah and and that's the thing is like you said they're a really good team that has a lot of a lot of talent and they're able to um you know they're able to do things and and win in different ways and in this game they they ended up winning in a way uh, that was kind of surprising right they they grinded out a game against a, an opponent that hasn't um that hasn't particularly played well and and think about this. I mean, I, and there's no excuses, but think about the end of the game, right? The Cardinals are starting their third string center. Um, you've got your top two running backs both injured. And, and they're still in a position to potentially tie or win that game. Yeah, it's... It really is, and that, that's kind of what I want to talk and talk next. Let, let's, well, I, in in a little bit, not not quite yet, but but let's let's move on from this. Coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, the best of Cardinals talk a little bit. Let's let's talk more about the game, but more specifically, what were the good things? We already kind of focused on the blame. So, what are the good things? What were the positives that we get out of that game, even if in a loss? That's coming next on Rise Up Sea Red. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast. Let's start Cardinals talking. Let's talk about the positives for the game. There's There are a lot we can pick and nitpick at at this point. But there were a number of positive things. And I will say this. Very interesting how how the locker room felt after that game. Um, it was the same way in in week three as well. Everyone in that locker room was upset, but it, it wasn't a pissed upset. It was an unsettled upset, like they lost an opportunity. They weren't they weren't down in the dumps. They were like <sighs> Kyler Murray after this game. He wasn't sulking, but he was, you could tell, he was very, very affected by this loss. But not in a bad way. Like, he was upset that they, were, they weren't able to finish. I think this team, and in the next set, was like, I think this team's really close. And I think once they, if they can get a home win, assume they win, if they win this week, if they, if they beat the Saints after Hopkins and backs, I think there will be a switch that flips and that they can get on a roll. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about that next, but the positives. What was the delight about that game? Obviously, both the offense and the defense struggled early on, but what were the good things that you saw in this? Well, I think the first thing that you saw was that They've got a really effective um, passing game when it's on. And that's the thing is like you've got uh, Rondell Moore or sorry, Marquise Brown, who's playing like a superstar right now. You've got you've got Rondell Moore who they're getting into things and and they've got Zach Ertz who does a nice job as kind of a security blanket. Where they're lacking right now is finding is finding a guy to kind of be the the main possession receiver. They got the they have kind of the possession receiver of of Ertz, but they don't really have that they they don't Green have hasn't been right reliable the back, enough. The back shoulder guy yeah. or that type and of stuff. and they're definitely missing Hopkins. I mean, there are they're they're definitely shorthanded. Um, and you have to look at Kyler's numbers don't look good this year, and he's made a couple of mistakes. But if you watch the games, especially after the first quarter, it's and it isn't necessarily Kyler that is playing poorly in those in those scoreless quarters. But you watch his quarterbacking. Watch his quarterbacking. He's being a very good quarterback without getting results. Yeah, and and he, you're seeing the growth and the improvement that everybody you know wanted to see. But the problem is, like you said, it's statistically not doing it. So then that means he's 
He's regressing no. is what everyone's yeah. saying. And so it's like, oh, he's winning more from the pocket. Well, but he's not running the ball and doing all that stuff, um, you know, that you expect. And and so it, it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting how, what the what the expectations were. And, you know, you, you never want to, want to be like have you watched other games but like i don't know if you watched the ravens uh Bengals game i didn't see a on, lot of on, it on sunday night football but lamar jackson missed two or three throws in the in the level of the the earth's miss and probably worse and guess what happened oh they won because other players made a play when needed and so that's that's kind of what it is is like i think my frustration more than anything is that you've got a guy in kyler who's pretty much has to be the reason they win and but is also has to shoulder the blame for all the losses (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it comes to the territory. It does. It, comes it does. To yeah, one hundred percent. It does, and, and he so understands that too. And so that's the thing is like that's how it uh, how it works is being the quarterback. And so, you know, you get that, and you kind of move on from it. Reality is, they're just, you know, they're close in a lot of ways, like you said, and and they're just making mistakes. I mean, we can we can point some of them out um, just from this game, right? Like you look at, you look at the positive of like Rondell Moore had two really, really big plays, but like there were two other plays where if one guy does their job, you're talking about four explosive plays in a game. Yes. And, and, and here's the, here's the thing people keep talking about. You gotta play Trey McBride. You gotta play the young guys. Look at two of the big negative plays. We'll, we'll, we'll look at the uh, the fourth and two against Carolina when Brian Burns blew up Rondell Moore. And then there was a jet sweep that went for minus five to um, on Sunday. You know who missed a block on both of those? It was Mr. Young Guy Trey McBride. Those are growing pains. But when he blocks no one, like he went, he blocked nobody. So we have to, you're assuming, and on at least on this one, he was the one pulling, he was the one moving in front of Moore, and there was a guy that got free, and he kind of hesitated to block him, but then decided to move ahead to block the next guy that there wasn't because it didn't matter, because Moore got tackled for five-yard loss. And so, you know, like, people are criticizing the play choice or how the usage of Moore when if one guy makes a block that they're supposed to make, that play is effective. Yeah, and so that's the thing is like, you know, and so the positives in this game are that like they are close. They're just they're missing on simple things that you feel like can be cleaned up. Like it's not a deficiency of talent. It's it's just mental or physical errors. And I think the mental errors are what frustrate the coaches more than the physical errors. Like yeah. think about the 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 Marquise Brown drop. After he oh, makes uh, just just a spectacular, spectacular catch and run early in the game, and 
and then he has he's coming across across the field there's all this green and you know what it is we've seen it dozens of times with the receivers his eyeballs got ahead of himself and so he doesn't look the ball all the way in and then yeah, he bobbles it and then he bobbles it and he bobbles it it would have been it would have been a touchdown it really would have been a touchdown. Yeah, it probably would have been a touchdown. And then you, you know, and so that's what you look at. I think the other positive thing that you're seeing is like, think about, again, what they did to this Philadelphia offense. You know, yeah, the first drive was bad and they went down and scored, but you had um, Zach Allen get another sack. Oh, he's you were con- so good. You were constantly getting um, pressure on on Jalen Hurts, and I know they had a banged-up offensive line, too. I mean, you know, let's be honest with that. Yeah, they were without Jordan Mailata. They lost Dickerson, and they lost uh, Jason Kelsey, but both Dickerson and Kelsey played in the second half. Yeah, they both came back. Um, you know, so, but you look at you look at the, the things that they did in the game, right? So, in this game, um, you had... Uh, Miles Sanders had 15 carries for 58 yards. So that's less than four yards a carry, right? Um, Jalen Hurts had 15 for six one. So just just a titch over four yards per carry. And they, they did lose. I mean, there were a couple of Jalen Hurts plays where you're like, oh, and that's going to happen against quarterbacks like that, right. where, where you look like you're going to get him, but then there's no contain and he takes off. But, you know, one thing that I really was – pleasantly surprised because it's one of the things I was most concerned about with no Rodney Hudson having to go against their interior defensive line which includes you know Fletcher Cox Javon Hargrave and rookie Jordan Davis those are very very strong athletic players you know who played really well Sean Harlow that was a pleasant surprise is that well Harlow yeah, Harlow played great. Think about this, though. You know, we all, and by all, I mean not just and I, but everybody else, really, really likes to complain about Rondell Moore's usage, right? Um, they they just don't give him the ball in space, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the Cardinals held Devontae Smith to 10 catches for 87 yards. By the way, his long was 22 yards, so he had nine receptions for 65 yards other than his one 22-yard reception. A.J. Brown, three catches, 32 yards. That happened all in the first drive. And so, yes, the frustration, I, I, I get it, with the outcome of the game. 1,000% understand the, that frustration. But the fact that you were able to do such a good job against this team that is supposed to be, you know, the best in the NFL, you you really showed that you're you're close. And I think that's what the most positive aspect of this whole situation is, is that you've got guys that are are stepping up. I mean, no more can be said than Zach Allen and and Byron Murphy Jr. Oh my gosh. Both of them look like they're close to being franchise caliber players. And, and we were, I mean, 
Allen was a slightly different thing because we're like, if he just stays healthy, maybe this is the year. But like, we were genuinely discussing whether or not you should even re like bring back Byron Murphy. Right, like <laughs> he was that with all the talk that the organization had had. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. They've been talking about how great he is in the slot. Yet he's turned into a perimeter stud this year. Because I don't think he's has he even played in the slot this year. I don't think he has. No, I I mean I don't think too much. I mean I know he's probably lined up there from time to time. Maybe, and I can I can look at the I can look. But at that's the, only in certain cases because there haven't been many times where he's like maybe a handful of times, maybe a handful of times. But he's shadowing the guy right right those three aj brown catches came against (laughs) they came against marco wilson all on the first drive when they scored the touchdown he didn't have a catch after that because byron was covering after that and one and then well because byron also sniffed out a couple of plays with with devontae smith he's playing out of his mind right now it's really good to see and he's doing it here's the most important part he's doing it when the truth is, for the first five weeks of the season, the Cardinals have had exactly two cornerbacks they can trust. Only two cornerbacks that you want to see on the field. People want to see Trayvon Mullen, but he was still learning the system, and the second he, you know, literally the first game that he plays, he gets hurt. And so you get Antonio Hamilton back, who's barely had a chance to play. Isaiah Simmons, his usage, he's he's their, he's their corner, he's their... He's playing in the slot, and that's almost it. And and it wasn't just – it's not just like a big nickel. They used him in the slot. Like, he was lined up against Quez Watkins a bunch. Yeah, and so you look at it like Byron's playing the slot when the guy he's shadowing goes in the slot. Like, that's that's basically it. So, like, last game he played 13 snaps in the slot. And he's lining up there not to take on Quez Watkins, right? He's lining up there because they're trying to get – AJ Brown or Devonte Smith, whoever he was on those particular snaps, um, they're trying to get them open, and and so that's the thing you look at, man, is you just you look at the growth of a guy blossoming into a potential superstar, and how important that is at a at a position of need. That let's be honest, that they haven't prioritized either in the draft. Like Murph is the one guy that they've drafted in the top 100 yeah. uh, since Patrick. Since Patrick. Yeah, it's for, for real. <laughs> wait, wait. Um, well, Brandon Williams was a he, – he might have been, but he was a – Yes, and uh, Jamel no, Fleming. But, uh, that might have – no, Jamel Fleming, I think, was there in there too. too. And Way he – okay, so so we'll say top – Yeah. Top two rounds at least. <laughs> Because Fleming was a third round pick, wasn't he? He was, yeah. But that was, I mean, that was always all the way back in 2012. And so, like, you just look at it, man. It's, it's just, it's just crazy to look at how they've finally got guys that are, like you said, are starting to blossom and turn in to solid contributors on at, at, key positions and there's one left really and it's kind of the it's the flashing red light of of what this team lacks and that's a guy that can rush off the edge yep 
And that's been, and they're doing this without, with virtually zero production from their edge guys. Now I will say they've been using JJ Watt and Zach Allen in uh, off the edge as they as they go with a very four three looking three four. Um, but like you you've got nothing for Marcus Golden. Um, you're getting a just a little. You can't expect a ton from 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 Dennis Gardeck. You're getting nothing from Devon Connard. Victor Demacagey hasn't done anything. They really haven't used Cameron Thomas off the edge. They have him in their NASCAR package. I.J. Sanders had eight snaps. He made his made his debut. I was gonna say he got eight snaps. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he made his debut and played eight snaps. But it was good to see him there. But yeah, it, it, that's a lot to like. And, and the offensive line. Let's be honest. The offensive line is playing well. You know who? You know who's been the weak link on the offensive line this year so far? Calvin Beecham. I was gonna say Beecham. It's Beecham. And and, it, and, and which is. Good and bad. It's it's good because, you know, it means your young guys are all stepping up. It's bad because I feel like they do have an upgrade there at and Josh Jones, but they're very But I think what Beecham right probably right now is the more consistent one. Like he gives you for, you know, on the seventy snaps, he gives you sixty five reliable ones and then seven where you just get five to seven where he gets looks terrible right and so that's that's what the question becomes and so that's the thing is like i mean you've got to be really excited about what will hernandez has done this year um he looks like a guy that they should resign right like that that should i mean it looks like the offensive line next year should be dj humphreys um I'm going to guess they're going to start with looking at Marquise Hayes because they liked him so much. The center position is an unknown. Mm-hmm. Will Hernandez and Josh Jones, like that looks like. Yes. But you but you, you should know going into the year three of the guys. And that would be, I mean, that would be a big, big boost for them, would it not? <laughs> totally. That, that, that's great to see. That's great to see. Well, and, and I think the last positive thing we need to talk about is like, think about the running game. And and we talked a little bit about Eno. It, oh my right? goodness! Like they had a really negative game just in terms of player health, and yet somehow in this game, the Cardinals ran had had I would it's close, but you could almost say a better running day than than the Philadelphia Eagles because they had 26 carries. Yeah, they averaged nearly, they averaged 4.8 to the, to the Eagles 4.2. And that was, then that's including because, because Hertz rushed for more than Kyler did. Yeah. And so like, that's the thing is like, you just, and that goes back to the offensive line. That goes back to, we talked about it early. Kyler starting to recognize the holes in the defense and making the audibles so they so that they get into the right plays and get into positive plays and like all of that is is a positive situation there was just a negative result at the end yeah yeah and you know the, we saw some explosive plays from car which we hadn't seen this year um, like Eno's Eno's rushing numbers don't look great I mean, he averaged he had eight for 20. 25 yards but he had the 11 yard he's also making plays in the passing game so if you look at he had a total of 
11 touches for 53 yards on the on the afternoon and the fact that he was able to gut out that that game get that touchdown um was huge and it it looks like we're probably going to be without Connor well and we know that Jay Ward is going to be out he pulled his hamstring there's no he's not going to come back from that week Connor and Daryl Williams are all hurt so Eno might be the lead guy. We can see Keontae Ingram. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a bit. There are, you know, AJ Green, the end of the game showed some life. And maybe that can <laughs> that's something to build on, maybe, because he, he went AWOL for a bit and he showed some life there late in the game. Um and on a on a positive is maybe Matt can kick this week. Maybe. Maybe, right, please, because you know who's you know who's even better. I think, I think Prater, and I think I saw the stat in those end of games, watch the situations. I don't think Prater's ever missed on one. Yeah, that's uh, they actually said that stat. He's the only guy with a better um, career clutch kick, clutch kick like gaming tying than um, Justin Tucker. Than Justin Tucker, which is you know obviously the greatest kicker of all time yeah he's he's something else uh coming in next on the rise up sea red podcast best our cardinals talk of the web let's talk about how close we think they are we kind of talked about that that's how close are they to turning this around how close are they to being good that's coming next on rise up sea red with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back on the Rise of Seward podcast. Of Mr. Cardinal stock on the web. The Cardinals are two and three. There are some things that are incredibly frustrating, but it feels my like in my eyes, it feels like they're really close. The first game was a disaster. The first half of the second game was a disaster. The Rams game was disappointing. The first part of the Panthers game, but. Then they got on a roll. In this game, the end was disappointing, but the overall product was not. And the locker room is interesting because they're facing adversity, 
they're not quitting. They are, they're not like destroying things pissed, but there's a feeling that I'm getting that this team is just so, and that maybe, maybe it's as simple as getting Hopkins back. Um, but it feels like that they are just on the other side of being good while yeah. still doing bad things. Yeah, and like I said, like you look at just normal certain things, right? Like you got you've got Kyler underthrowing a deep ball. You've got Kyler missing Zach Ertz on an open throw. So those are two negatives. You know, we won't even throw like the end of the game thing, but like just two negative throws. Right. And those are those are plays that need to be made. Uh, you had the drop by Marquise Brown. You had the drop by Zach Ertz. Those are two key plays that need to be made. Um, you had the missed block by uh, Trey McBride. That's a play that just has to be made. And so, like all of this, all of this goes to the thing of like you know they're close. You know you like you said earlier, you had the Dennis Gardeck thing where he's literally standing right next to the guy getting this the uh the football and he's like oh yeah i gotta tell that guy too and and so maybe you go well that's not fans he shouldn't have them in that position <laughs> okay all right you know what you're saying the usage of a player is incorrect and you're not putting him in the best position to be successful i will i will be okay with that reasoning however what I won't be okay with is the fact that whether or not that's the best use of a player is is irrelevant in the situation. You got to make that play, man. Like, right. You just it's a clutch situation. Your offense just tied up the game, a chance to beat the number one team record-wise in the NFL, and somebody's got to make a play. Yeah, if Gardick can make that tackle, and and we say this, Gardick has been exactly what we could have hoped he'd been, but that play and, was and just that just sucked him to be. And that yeah. that's that's a play you just wish you had back because, and you know, it was on the most critical moment. It's on third down. It's third and long. Third and twelve. You're you know you tackle him for an eight yard gain. It's fourth and four. From the from the twenty seven, and then you're then you're facing a forty five yard field goal, a forty five yard field goal. We saw Matt Amendola miss a forty three yard field goal. There is no automatic forty five yard field goal in the NFL. There, there most starters, yes, it's automatic, but at least, and then you've got four minutes left in the game instead of having two, and you still got that timeout. So there's the other thing, is that you still have your timeouts. Because it, it, it wasn't it after that that they had to burn all three, burn their two, and then the last one with the Jalen one. They ended up burning their timeouts after that play. Right, and it's just, again, it's just little stuff like that. Like, you know, people are criticizing, why not take a timeout before the two-minute warning? Well, you let the two minute warning be a timeout. Like that's the thing is Cliff played the, the timeout game perfectly. He just got burned on um 
Thompson on you know, Thompson getting... the wind knocked out of him. Yeah, and and, and you know what? N- nobody really even and I'm, I don't mean this to sound like negative towards Jalen Thompson. Nobody even cares if he picks the ball off, right? <laughs> People are like, oh man, he's hurt. It cost us a timeout, but great play, man. Like who cares? And that's you know that's the frustrating thing is like both both the interceptions he didn't get were very very tough plays. So I don't want anybody to think I'm saying like those you know. But that's the difference between a good team and an average team. At the end of the day, is a good team makes great plays. An average team makes plays they're supposed to make, but they don't make special plays. And right now, I think that's the best way to describe the Cardinals. They're not making any special plays. Yeah, that, like, that's a just, great way to say it. They're they're they special plays that they had happened against Oakland the second half by Kyler. Right. It, yeah, they were exactly. They were like special in the like the history of the NFL type <laughs> plays. They weren't like they weren't like oh Marquise Brown catches a eighty-two yard touchdown pass. They were, they were. Oh my God! Kyler ran around for yeah, twenty-two, 22 second two-point to, conversion to get a two-point conversion. Like that's that to me is you know, and so that's what they're missing is like, like you said, like you know, you look at it. Hollywood three games ago doesn't lay out for a deep ball. Uh, last game, um, you know, he he gets pi'd at the one. And and doesn't you know catch a, a deep ball? Um, and next, Andy Isabella stops on a route. Yeah, and then you've got yeah, and then you've got this week he drops a wide open pass where he goes eighty you know eighty ish yards to the house, and like all of those things are that's what that's what teams that are either and this will be kind of what defines the Cardinals. If that is how they continue to go, then they're a bad team. Like, bad teams don't make those plays. But if they start to make those plays, then you'll see, like, oh, this is a good team. They were just missing those plays. And and that's how you – that's, to me, what tells you how close they are. Is like, if they start making those plays, then they're in the right spot. Coming on the Red Red Podcast, Mr. Cardinals Talk on the Web. We're expecting DeAndre Hopkins back in week seven. And the Cardinals appear to have gotten past the toughest part of their schedule. With Seattle, and then with the return of Hopkins, how many wins do we think that the Cardinals can get? That's coming next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast. The best of Cardinals talk about the Cardinals are two and three. They, If they beat the Seahawks this week, they're at three and three. And they get DeAndre Hopkins back, and they hit a part of their schedule which looks pretty good, including this week. Let's look at the teams that they have coming up. You've got the Seahawks on the road. You've got the Saints at home. You've got the Vikings on the road. You've got the Seahawks uh, at home. And then you've got the Rams at home before before you go to Mexico, Mexico City. So you've got one, two, three, four, five games if now this is the optimist in me, if they can win this week, which I believe this game is a winnable game, Seattle's defense is bad. Their offense 
has been good, but the Cardinals have also stopped good offenses. And so, there is the possibility. The Saints have problems. The Vikings, they're playing well right now, but they're not dominating. The Seahawks in, and the Rams look really bad right now. I could possibly, like, if they can get, so there is, for me, the potential for five wins in a row right now. And I know that that part of that is I look super positive on things, but I think they have five very winnable games coming up right now. You looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year. You you didn't think that the Chiefs, you could be thinking, but it's not, not one you consider a winnable game. Uh, the Cardinals, Raiders, Rams, those were all games that didn't look super winnable. The Eagles game, once the season started, didn't look very winnable. But now you've got five games in a row. Five games in a row of, of teams that it's not you can, but you think maybe you should win. At least you should win three of them. Minimum, right? Well, when you look at it, to your point, you've got you know a game against Seattle who, like you said, they're they're not the terrible dumpster fire that we expected, but they're seventh in points, 31st in points against. Their defense is just atrocious. Um, they just gave up 39 points to the Saints the week before they gave up 45 points to the Lions, and people will be like, well, the Lions were playing really good. Uh, they got shut out. And they just got shut out by the New England Patriots. And I mean, Bailey shut Zappi. out. They got beat by Bailey Zappi. Right, and, and <laughs> the Patriots hadn't exactly been like – mowing people down so you know it's just it's tough they you know you start with you start with that game right and then like you said then you get um the saints who are nothing to write home about right now on a short week the saints play the Bengals this week so that you know that's going to be a tough game for them and then you go to the Vikings, and that Vikings team—you don't like know what said, to think. You don't know what to think about them. Their record looks really good, but the fact is, like, you look at their wins um, outside of their first win, which was really impressive. Their twenty-three-seven win, they got beat by the Eagles twenty-four to seven. They beat the Lions twenty-eight twenty-four. They beat the Saints in London twenty-eight twenty-five. Then they beat the Bears twenty-nine twenty-two. And the Bears are not. And, and so they're like all over the place. So like, yeah, it's just, it's a run where, and then you get Seattle back. And so it's like, it's a run where you should be able to like, you're like three and one, four, four and oh, should be the goal. Like it should be the goal and it should be realistic. And so, yeah, it, you should be looking at, and even if, and then you, you go, go to the Rams. And honestly, after losing to the home, uh, kind of what we're thinking this year. You've got you need to be three and three in the division. Like I, I always say that if you want to be a playoff team, you've got to be three and three in the division at least. Now we think that maybe they can sweep the sweep the Seahawks, but you want to get a split. You you there's a number of reasons. One, you need division wins. Two, if you split Split with a division team, then you guarantee that that they will not hold a head-to-head tiebreak. At least, you don't want to give up the head-to-head tiebreak because that's the first thing that comes into play um, for tiebreakers in the division is head-to-head. So if you split it, 
So, you know, we could like, I would love the things to turn around. And if they can turn things around and maybe get, instead of like an ugly game, they, they play well from the beginning, that that kind of gets things rolling. They get Hopkins back and then they start playing well. This is a team I could see, I could see rattling off as many games in a row before before Mexico City. And then you're looking at a 7-3 and three team. And then you feel good, right? Yeah, but even like like you said, like five wins is a lot. But even if you're six and four going into Mexico City, you still feel better about where you're at. You you and finally you st- get ahead of the stick. And then, you know, if you're looking like the 2017 season when we had all those expectations, I'm sorry, the 2016 season had all those expectations, and they just they could never get over 500. Right, and so like that's the big thing for them is they've got to. You've just got to find a way to get over the hump. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the story of the season, though, right? <laughs> On everything. Like, yes. find a way to get over the hump, and they haven't been able to do it yet. Exactly. Uh, coming up next on the Rise Up Series podcast, the our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks. This game coming up, it's a critical game for them. Um, it's a division game. You don't want to go to Odin to the division. All those, all the stuff. That's coming up on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Seaward podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. We've got the Seattle Seahawks this week, a team that is surprise—it's bad on defense, surprisingly good on offense after a slow start this year. Geno Smith looking like the player you thought he could be 10 years ago when you said when you loved him coming out of the draft. Geno Smith has been a revelation. Uh, they still have great talented receiver with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Lockett has been so productive this year. And then Rashad Penny was looking great again, and he just broke his leg. So the, that's a big loss. They struggle at linebacker hits. And, you know, remember they cut Bobby Wagner last, this last offseason? Linebackers have been a mess this year. What what should we know about Seahawks team? Now they've got a rookie that Ken Walker that people are are really excited about. But without Rashad Penny, what can we expect from this the Seattle offense? You know, it'll be interesting. You you think it would go more towards Geno in this case cuz like through four games, and, and like you said, people are really excited about Kenneth Walker, but through four games, his rushing attempts have been four, three, eight, and eight. So, and then his receptions have been two, three, and one. Had zero receptions last game. So, you look at it, he's he's somebody that they should be excited about, but he hasn't done anything yet to... Uh, make you feel like he is a guy that is going to beat you. Now, we know he's a talented kid. I mean, obviously, you don't get drafted that highly. But the big thing is this week is you've got to find a way to continue to play solid pass defense, which has been really surprising, right? Um, Tyler Lockett's just doing Tyler Lockett things. I mean, on the season, he has 406 receiving yards and you know so i mean the dude's on pace for just under 1400 yards dk metcalf right under that he's on uh, at 372 so you know he's on pace for just under 1300 yards the interesting thing is 
the guy that leads them in touchdowns overall. So, you know, you've got, um, like you said, you've got Rashad Penny who had been averaging. I mean, Rashad Penny had been averaging over six yards per carry. And that the, he was doing that this after he had a incredible run at the end of last year. He ended up, I think he, and he led the league last year in runs per carry, and he basically didn't do anything for the first 10 games of the year. Right. He led the league at 6.3 yards he, per he, carry last he year. He has been, he kept on with that, with that absolute, he's been, been he's great, which we, we knew that he had the potential to. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, and there it is again. Breaks his leg. Yeah. And and but it's crazy, man. Will Disley leads them in touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns on the season. And what makes it crazy is he only has 14 catches. So <laughs> it's like the it's the Travis Kelsey line from Monday night. Seven right. catches, 25 yards, and four scores. Right. And so, you know, when they do get into the red zone, they like to go to Disley, which is shocking with DK Metcalf and Rashad Penny, but I mean Shane Waldron is, you know, their their tight ends have five touchdowns combined between Disley, uh, Colby Parkinson, and Noah Fant. So it's not it's not crazy, but it is a little surprising when you look at everybody else they have. Outside of that, man, it's just been, I mean, they're pretty pretty straightforward. Lockett, Metcalf, and now Walker will be the guys. Uh, before that, it was Penny. Um, and so it'll just be about stopping those guys. I mean, Disley has 137 yards on the season. Um, <laughs> like, so again, I, I mean, he's not, he's not doing anything, but he's the guy that, that, you know, finishes things off. So uh, they're a team that the, if you can keep them out of the red zone, then you're going to limit that. They're 31st in points allowed and dead last in yards. The Seahawks. Yeah. You know what, though? They have a really, really exciting player and a guy that I loved coming out. We talked about him numerous times, whether it was on your podcast or our podcast or or the other podcast that we do. And and the reason I love this guy was because it was just such a such a random thing for a guy from UTSA to be 6'4", 205 pounds with that freak athleticism and Tariq Woolen has been blossoming into yeah. a star. Um, now, he's really the only one <laughs> on defense <laughs> and that makes it, I mean, you look at it, he has three interceptions, nobody else has one. Um, he has four passes defensed. The next cornerback has three. The next corner after that there isn't one. Like yeah. they, they're just not in Wosu's got, got three, but those are line of scrimmage type things. And right. And, and you know, right. And so, and then you mentioned in Wosu, he's got two sacks. They're not really getting after the quarterback. Um, I'm in a super weird fantasy dynasty fantasy league where you can only play players in their first four years of being out of the draft. And so I have uh Daryl Taylor and, I was really expecting him to kind of pick up where he left off at the end of last year, where he had six and a half sacks. Dude's got one this year. He's wow. killing me. And, <laughs> and I play him every week and he's got one freaking sack. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is you've got a team 
that is allowing an absurd, absurd amount of points. And now you've got a chance to kind of get right offensively. The big question is, can you hang with them? Can you? And, and that's the thing. This is a team you cannot afford to. They got to score early. Yeah, let them get out to a 14 lead. Because if that happens, I, I'm, I'm going to say that they're going to run away with it. But, like, I would be I would be more concerned if they still had um, Rashad Penny. But at the same time, I don't want Kenneth Walker to have his Terrell Davis welcome to the <laughs> NFL moment against the Cardinals. I've, right. seen en- I've seen enough of those. Though we will say this, um, their two wins are by a combined four points. Right. They haven't. That, that's the thing. They're they're a very funny team. Um, they beat the Broncos, like you said, 17-16. The Broncos. They were in that. Okay, I will say, while they played their tails off in that game, they shouldn't have lost that. They shouldn't have won that game. Denver fumbled twice at the goal line, and, and then... Nathaniel Hackett decided to go for a 65-yard field goal. Yeah. And and, and then, you know, they got blit by the 49ers. They lost to the Falcons. Falcons was, aren't good. And that was in Seattle. Um, you know, they beat a bad Detroit team 48 to 45 and Detroit might be the one of the worst teams in the NFL and then and then um they take they, Taysom Hill. They were Taysom yeah, Hill. Three touchdowns, twelve rushing yards, and three touchdowns by Taysom Hill, and he threw a touchdown pass as well. Alvin Kamara had 193 yards from scrimmage as well. They gave up over 230 rushing yards um, in that game. 235 rushing yards um, in that game against the Saints. Yikes! Yeah, and so like this is a game I honestly oh do my think. Gosh, the rush defense 189. 179, 145, 235. It's a bummer. It really is a bummer that the Cardinals have banged up running backs because, ooh, so we've got Keontae Ingram. So if you've got a one-two punch of Eno Benjamin and Keontae Ingram, this could be a really fun game if, if Ingram ends up being the number two this week. We could see some fun numbers that fans are going to go goo-goo gaga over and then be upset when he's inactive after. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting but yeah it's been um it's a game where you have to be excited about what you could see offensively and this is a it, it's interesting because they could have two really fun get right games offensively in the next two that make you a little more excited um about everything and then look they're four and three and then all of a sudden you're like oh oh but you know get to four and three once once you're there like you got to get to three and three first right. and i think i think they have a really good chance to do that this weekend and i would actually uh, pick them to do so i i think so too i i think this is a game where the uh, and, and i picked i like picking them to win every but i think this is a game where that offense starts clicking oh by um, the way you and i both picked them to lose by three points yeah or i think picked i them by I four, picked them, they but like, by four. i had them picked to cover so right, i had we them both had them pick to cover we both had them in a I mean, we saw the game playing out similar to what it did. We just expected them not to have any time left on the clock when they had to go down right. the field. 
and instead they did and now we've had to talk or you know listen and and talk about it for three days after after the game's (laughs) over i this is you know, the more I look, the more I look at the at the defense, and I know that they're going to. It's it's a division game. Cardinals. I will say this: the Cardinals are six and two in Lumen Field over the last eight years. Now, over the last couple of years, you know, they went in there. You know, two years ago, um, you know, it, they finally got right where they won at home and they lost on the road. But the Seattle team, they're they're always a dangerous. And I thought that coming into this year that they were going to be a tough team. I am so surprised at Geno Smith. But after seeing what the Cardinals have done defensively over the last well, the last three and a half games, I believe that they will be able to limit Seattle this week. That they won't be able to be nearly as explosive as they have been. Well, when we're looking at these top receiver productions, well, you know, Devontae Adams, two catches. Um, Cooper Cup, four catches. Um, they, they they had, what, DJ Moore had six for 50 or something like that. And, yeah. and, and, and then they got A.J. A. Brown with three catches in the first drive and then not a single catch the rest of the game. The, the pass defense has been really good. And without Rashad Penny, I don't think that they're going to be nearly as strong in the run game. And without the strength of the run game, I think that pass attack will be will be different. I think the Cardinals are gonna. I do I want to say that we're gonna get the thirties. I don't know if they're gonna get the thirties, but I think that this could be the thirty point explosion. But I'm gonna say that they're gonna they're gonna go they're gonna win this game twenty eight to thirteen. Yeah, and I was gonna say this is the game that they explode. I'm gonna say thirty eight uh, to twenty eight. Ooh, that'll be fun, and so they they will. They will be high scoring ultimately, but uh, and but then, let's be honest, isn't this you know the way Gino is playing now? Isn't this kind of what you you envisioned him being able to do when he came out of college? Yeah, I thought he was a guy that could be a, a good quarterback in the NFL. I'm not going to say I thought he would be a superstar or an MVP candidate, and I'm not sure he is yet. But you know, he's a guy that had the arm he was able to make throws and he seemed like a, a, a more composed and smart quarterback than what he showed when he was with the jets uh, when he was with the jets let's be and, honest and, the jets ruin but, quarterbacks they do they yeah. just ruin quarterbacks so <laughs> yeah so it's one of those things that i'm glad he's having success i'm glad that he's you know doing well i hope he sucks this week <laughs> <laughs> or that, uh, or anything, he can suck this week, or at least the far enough behind where he has to try and do too much. It's really interesting what's happening this year is because it, when we've seen him in action before, that offense has been super limited, and maybe it was finally getting enough reps with it that he felt like he could cut it loose. Because when he filled in last year for Russell Wilson, I mean. That it it reminded me of that first game of the year. They had a couple explosive plays, but most it was it, it was it just wasn't there. Like well, they, they weren't producing at all because he was being very safe. And maybe it's maybe it's the fact that that was being what he's being asked to do. And now, you know, he's getting the right balance. They've had a good running attack, and they're able to do exactly what Pete Carroll's wanted. But for what Pete Carroll wants, you got to have a really good defense. 
and they do not do that have that this year. They have a terrible defense, and so let's have at it. Let's have at it. I'd like. I'd also like this to be the game where the pass rush finally finishes. They finished better. They've had two sacks in each of the last two games, um, but I would love to see this where where you see a breakout where Marcus Golden gets a a, a sack. Uh, Zach Allen gets another sack where you get where you get kind of four sacks in a game and, and Gino's like because Gino's never started a game against the Cardinals in the time that he's played the Cardinals he's not looked good in his correct career. and so let's just hope that that continues this week and with that we will wrap this edition of the Rise of Secret podcast you've got two guys predicting big Cardinals wins uh, the weekend to get them to three and three if they get to three and three this is this is actually this is a good thing. This is a good thing. We think they're close. Um, we will. Uh, we're going to short turnaround because we'll we'll record next Tuesday, and then we'll have the Thursday night game, and then you'll have to. We'll you'll just have to wait till we talk about. The, we'll have to wait a few days to talk about the Saints game properly, unless we get you know over anxious and decide to do it before then. But probably not. <laughs> anyway, that's Seth Cox. I'm just. Roots Rise of Seaward podcast, the best of Carl's talk, and we'll be back again, of course, next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audio Boom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.